Hello, welcome to another Use of Force. This week we are doing a walk of East Brooklyn. And today we're in the area of the Marine Park, Garrison Beach. And Jesse's going to read another Use of Force instance. On March 8th, 2010, at 1511 hours, in the confines of the 61st Precinct, a uniformed police officer responded to a 911 call of a man with a gun present in a schoolyard. Witnesses had seen the man acting erratically and pointing the firearm at passerby. Once at the location, the officer, who was on solo patrol, encountered a white male subject carrying a silver firearm. With his firearm drawn, the officer shouted, police don't move but the subject turned his back to the officer. As the officer radioed that he had the subject stopped, the subject abruptly spun and pointed his firearm directly at the officer while cursing him. The officer fired three rounds, striking the subject three times and causing his demise. Subsequently, the subject's firearm was determined to be an imitation pistol that had been painted silver and black. The subject had an arrest history for criminal mischief and false personation. At the time of the incident, the subject's blood alcohol content was three and a half times the legal limit for driving, and he had PCP in his system, as well as anti-anxiety drugs and other substances consistent with reports that he had stolen and then consumed significant quantities of cough suppressants. So that's, again, the use of force report from the 2010 NYPD report package. The person that was killed in this incident is named George Giamato Jr. He was 22 years old when this happened. And this hasn't come up for a while for us, but this incident doesn't have much reporting. Mm -hmm. There were only about three or four articles that I was able to find after some fairly extensive searching. And I guess that surprised me because this seems like there's a lot of elements in this that seem like they would be uh, something that would be considered newsworthy. Yeah, well, if I recall correctly, one of the mitigating factors perhaps was that the father of the subject was involved in law enforcement previously right and maybe that made it so that they were less inclined to pursue the matter more than a normal family would that's possible yeah that is the 
The main things that came out of the reporting that seemed to be either additional information or, uh, yeah, diff typically we'll pull different information, but in this case it was just additional, was different quotes from the family. One relative said that they knew that George had taken the day off from his job at Dwayne Reed to enjoy the nice weather. It was in March, and I guess it was a sunny day. They, another article interviewed his mother, who was very angry at the police for shooting her son and very upset, as, as you could imagine. And then another article that interviewed George's father, who was also upset but said, quote, I am retired law enforcement myself. I know what it's like. I can't blame the officer. He did what he had to do. Right. So again, it could be that the family was not interested in pursuing the matter further. Yeah. And as a consequence, there was less stories about it because there isn't a you know, DA getting involved to pursue the case further. Right, I guess if they're not, you know, they, they probably didn't move forward with a lawsuit or... The, the name of the officer was not released publicly, or at least not released to a source that I was able to find. Yeah. And the information about I guess the, at the end of the use of force report, you know, that, that is very common for them to list w anything if there were drugs or alcohol or anything of the sort in the person, the person's system that was killed. And this was a particularly long list. And the note that other, other substances consistent with reports that he had stolen and then consumed significant quantities of cough suppressant, that it's unclear what those reports were. I mean, this is, you know, written by the NYPD, so I guess maybe they interviewed the family or someone more than maybe the news was able to. Mm -hmm. But that's something that seeing that made me think that there'd be just more information out there on this particular incident. Yeah. Well, and somewhat related to what we've already said, in addition to law enforcement, being a, a component to this family's story and mm -hmm. maybe making you less inclined to follow up on it because you have experience of these situations. You know, walking around in this area suggests that on the spectrum of conservative to liberal, AKA more likely to support police than less likely to support police, 
this seems as though it's a neighborhood that is more likely to support police. That's, I would agree with that. And as a consequence, maybe there's a shame aspect as mm -hmm. well. You know, uh, having a 22 year old child that was on a variety of drugs, I mean, child, you know, adult, but yeah. young adult on a variety of drugs in a conservative area, yeah. brandishing a fake pistol, you know, something that, yeah, you would, would maybe make you feel, feel shame in, a, in an area like yeah. this. Well, and I guess, you know, to talk about that, that it was an imitation gun, I think there was a photo in one of the articles of the gun and it, it was convincing, you know, it wasn't like there, I've heard stories in the past of, you know, people being shot when they have imitation pistol and it doesn't look like a real gun at all. But this was, it was painted silver. It looked like it was about the size of a, of a small gun. Right. It didn't have any like bright colors or branding that would give it away. Yeah. And there's clearly no game plan here, right? Like it, it wasn't seem like, like it. unless it was suicide by cop, which is a thing that we've seen. But there, there was obviously there was no store involved, or yeah, you know there was no there was no gain out of brandishing this firearm. There, there, there wouldn't be a scenario where you could, you know, make the cop drop their gun back down slowly and then you can get away. You know. No. No, I mean, it, it seems like either, I mean, what you just said, it's suicide by a cop is, is a possible thing that could have been happening here. You know, I mean, taking a fake gun to a school and to a schoolyard and waving it at people that are passing by definitely would be something that would get the police called. But this young man also had a lot of alcohol and drugs in his system so you know what it whether it was intentional or planned suicide by cop or if there was just some kind of you know something that happened one after he got drunk and took the PCP and and other substances if he just sort of had some sort of break or whatever it is, you know. I guess we can't really, we can't really know exactly what happened there. And I think this is a, this is a tricky one because it's not, you know, how do you solve for an issue like this? I mean, there are, the PCP is the only illegal substance that he was using and yeah I don't I think that most people would would say you know if people are using PCP there should be some sort of help for that I would say that but the alcohol the anti-anxiety drugs the cough suppressant like those aren't those are things that, that are legal all those things are legal it's not suggested that you take them all together I don't think he doesn't seem like he was using them in a way that was 
you know, how it would be best used typically, but I don't know. I'm just struggling to figure out how this particular incident well, could be avoided. I think in general it's less useful to think about these sorts of things as like a light switch and more about percentages. Mm. Especially something like this, there's never going to be a, a case where you can just say, oh, we can we can just flip this switch and this problem will never be a particular problem. It's more about ending the war on drugs, yeah. which, sure, I don't know where PCP fits into that conversation. However, if you start destigmatizing drug use and drug abuse, then the percentage chance of something like this happening goes down right. as dialogue continues to increase about the problems. And maybe shame about this in the family can be deflated a little bit. Because right. again, if you know, we're painting a picture based on very scant evidence and our perception of the situation, but it would seem to me that perhaps in an environment of a law enforcement family, shame and fear could be a part of the equation. Yeah. In a community where it's more law-abiding and respectful, shame and fear again comes into the equation, and it creates a, a big percentage game where something like this is more likely to happen. Right. So, no, I mean, there's never going to be a silver bullet for any of these things. Yeah. You, you can see on some of them where there's clearly a failure on one side or the other. Yeah. And I think it's important to point those things out. And it's important particularly for the institution of law enforcement to make sure that they are acknowledging that within themselves because they're here to serve us. It's harder for the instances where the failure is on the civilians because, well, if civilians didn't fail, we wouldn't need law enforcement. Like right. That's just a but part we, of what humans are. It's, that's true, and that will continue to be the case. But, yeah, and I guess uh, especially incidents like this make us have to think more about what we need, what, what we can do to support each other early on and just generally in life to make it so that things like this just happen less and less. As yep. opposed to the, you know, a t an incident, like you said, where it's very like black yeah. and white that someone was in the wrong in the moment. Yeah. So I, I don't think, because there wasn't much information about this, I don't think there's much more to say. No. So thank you to everyone for listening. If you have any more information on this incident or other lethal use of force incidents in New York City, Please be in touch. Bye. Bye.